You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans, and welcome to Lockdown Cubs. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Joe Kilgallen. Give this podcast a follow as well. That is at Lockdown Cubs. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Lockdown Rooms. All right, Cubs fans, you're getting a double dose on a Friday here. I released one episode after another. I was on vacation most of the week, I'm now back. I'm in my home studio, so hopefully the sound quality is a much better experience for your listening pleasure. So I had to double up right now because I missed Monday's episode. You know what? It's nice to get out of the city for a stretch. I really enjoyed the outdoors. It, it was nice, but I'm also a father of a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so it's not really a vacation because you're just making sure they don't drown. That's basically what you do as a parent when you go on one of these type of vacations. But the internet was not good. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I should, you know, tell, because we rented like an Airbnb switch situation. Hey, man, you know, the internet's a little weak, but I bet he'd be one of these guys be like, I thought it was about being one with nature out here. I'm like, yeah, during the day, my friend. Okay. But when you put two kids to bed and it's dark out and there's nothing to do, I'd like to check up on some things. Right. I'd like to stream some stuff. And I'd like to do do my job here as the host of Lockdown Cubs. But anyway, um, I was backed up. So basically... Tuesday's episode was Mondays and all these things, and you're getting a double dose on a Friday, so double the action. On the previous podcast, in honor of the Field of Dreams game, I named some of my favorite baseball movies of all time. I did. I have a top five list in my brain that does change every so often, and I gave you number five and number four. I'll end today's podcast, or this episode of the podcast, I should say, with three, two, and one, and I'll even tell you a couple honorable mentions because, again, this this list rotates and switches out a lot. Just something to think about. And also, let's talk about this. I think this is a big thing we need to talk about right now. I, I was saying that since the, since it's been clear at the end of that 11-game losing streak that this Cubs season was not going to result in playoff baseball, that you have to look for certain things. And it's almost more about the progress being made as opposed to the results when it comes to the pitching side of things, more so than the hitting. And with that, I want to talk about Adbert Alzali. We're going to talk about Adbert talking about the Cubs race to the bottom and try to get a top five draft pick right now. If the season ended today, they'd be drafting at number 10. We could do better. We could do better or worse when you think about it. And then I'll, I'll give you the, my top three baseball movies of all time. So with Adbert, he had, he had a nice, real nice stretch there, you know, through May and June. Then he had a finger thing. That was not a big deal. A lot of these happen. Came back from that very shaky ever since. And what became clear to everybody, I don't know if the scouting report kind of figured it out, because when he was on his hot stretch, this wasn't like he was facing bad teams like the Pirates and just getting bad hitters out. He was he struck out Mookie Betts a couple times in one game against Atlanta. I remember him striking out Freddie Freeman and Acuna. And against San Diego, he had Tatis Jr. out looking. Like, there was a lot. And then there was obviously a couple of good hitters, like Nolan Arenado of St. Louis had two bombs off of him. So, But he was making good hitters look bad which I still cannot emphasize enough, that is what you look for with a young pitcher because that shows the true potential or like where the, where the ceiling could be. You know, if you're, if you're a hitter, if you're a pitcher and you get good hitters out by getting them to pop up a ground ball, yeah, that, of course, has a, a tremendous value. But to me, I think, oh, if everything goes right there, number three starter. 
But if you're striking them out and having them way out in front of pitches or way late on pitches and just having them overall shaking their head on their walk back to the dugout on that walk of shame, that to me goes, you have ace potential. I really believe that Adbert Alzali has number two to number one potential. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not being a cheerleader right now. Not drinking Cubby Kool-Aid. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows I've been spitting that Kool-Aid out. Literally going, what's this? Get out of my mouth. It's disgusting. You know, like I'm not I'm not doing that. But I'm giving it to you honest. Adbert's last appearance was against the White Sox. Pitching in the seventh inning. Only gave up two runs. No walks. Seven strikeouts. Which was much needed after two very shaky starts the time before. Now his, his kryptonite has been left-handed hitters. They've been getting him. And what a lot of right-handed pitchers need to work on towards lefties in general is that changeup. A good changeup on lefties to play off your fastball and slider that usually the slider usually gets the righties, but the changeup, it's it's dynamite. That is the pitch that lefties will struggle with against right-handed pitching. Now he had not been throwing a good one. Which was odd because when he first came up, he was the fastball changeup was top two, and then he developed this all-world slider. I, I mean, I literally, mean all-world. There's statistical evidence. You know, I make fun of Statcast a lot, but when they break down how nasty a pitch is, Edward Slider was top three, top five in baseball for most of the season. Now, I've been preaching he needs to just not care about you know, what the score is, not care about what it could do to his ERA or his, any, any of the other stats. He needs to focus on the change up to lefties. And if that means walking some guys or, Oh, I hung that one and get, you know, just, just work on that, work on that because that is what's going to help you for next season. Now I know there, there'll be some fans when you're working on a pitch and you're getting let up, it's like, this guy's garbage, get rid of him. And it's like, no, he's working on something. Don't, don't look at the result. See if they're actually improving with that pitch as the game goes on. Adbert, his last year against the White Sox, gave up a double to a left-handed hitter. I believe it was Yon Mancada after two infield, weak infield singles. So that right there, the White Sox got off to a two-to-nothing lead. After that, he struck out that Yon Mancada with the changeup and handled lefties after that. He started throwing some nasty changeups to lefties. The pitch was getting better as the game went on, and that was encouraging to see. They lose 4 nothing. He gives up two earned in six and two-thirds pitching into the seventh inning, which is what you'd love to see out of any of your starters, especially a young 26-year-old like Adbert. Bullpen gives up two more. We lose four zip. But the important part was the progress, and I want to see him continue that in tonight's start against the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins, who are a very weird, bizarre team as far as the standings go. They would be drafting number five right now. But if you look at uh, a little thing called run differential, they're now at a minus 17, but only like two weeks ago, they were in the plus column. They'd been a last place team with a plus run differential, which is just a weird thing to see. That means you're scoring more runs than you're giving up, which usually is a recipe to success. It's not foolproof. Of course, you could have a game where you win 19 to nothing. And then obviously that throws your balance out of whack, but it was really insane to see. Looking at other run differentials throughout baseball, the Brewers uh, lead the NL Central with 116. Cincinnati is a plus 22. And then it's all minuses. St. Louis minus 37. The Cubs minus 78. We were uh, The Cubs were a first-place team in mid-June and are now – obviously, we're not going to catch the Pirates for last place, but we're. I've never seen this before. 
But then again, have we ever seen a team trade this many players in one season? I need to really dive into that. I'm going to do some homework over the weekend and find out if ever there's been a team that has traded that many players during the course of one season in baseball history. Let's count them. I'm going to count it so I have the number and you guys could know with me because maybe you'll be bored and you'll want to dig up this information for yourselves over the weekend. You got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Craig Kimbrell, that's four, Tapera five, Chafin six, Jake Marisnik seven, Jock Peterson eight. I feel like I'm missing someone. Trevor Williams nine. All right, that's five and four. That's nine. Is there anybody else I'm currently missing? Did I say Jack Peterson? 10? I don't even know if I said Jack Peterson. Damn it, we're doing this again. Bryant, 1. Rizzo, 2. Bias, 3. Kimbrell, 4. Tapera, 5. Chafin, 6. Jack Peterson, 7. Marisnik, 8. Trevor Williams, 9. I think that is all of them. Yeah, 9. They traded 9 players in one season. That, I don't think any team, and then you throw in you Darvish and Victor Caratini in the offseason. It's just, this is going to be a completely different looking team in 2022. That goes without saying. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You talk to any Built Bar fan and they'll tell you what are the, what they love is the so many flavors. They give you so many options, more than any other nutritional bar company out there. Trust me on that. They've got coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate. Salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. They also have a new one called Grasshopper Cookie, which is just like a Girl Scout Thin Mint. If I'm being frank with you guys, I'm also being Joe. Mint brownie is my favorite. <laughs> Excuse me. I just sneezed in the middle of an ad read. I'm a real authentic broadcaster, so I'm leaving the name. All right. The best part to me, though, is the 17 to 18 grams of protein. Not only are they delicious, they're healthy, too. 18 grams of protein, that is a good way to get your day jump-started right. Calories ranging from only 130 to 180 and only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. That is phenomenal. Built Bar combines it all. That's why it's called Built Bar. It's built strong. Built Bar is the official protein of the U.S. track and field team. That's awesome. So here's the offer. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, I was talking about earlier how about the Cubs race to the bottom. That's what I'm going to call this. this. These are the new standings we need to look out for as Cubs fans. You know, we're starting off against the Marlins tonight, who are in the thick of things with us as well. The Mar Miami Marlins would be picking number five in the 2022 draft. The Cubs, if the season ended today, would be picking number 10. Now, here are the top five teams and how we need to get it out of our head that we're going to catch them because we're not. Arizona is the first pick. They're drafting first. They will be battling. I guess Baltimore could get worse, but they have a three-and-a-half game lead. It's funny to say lead for last place overall in the standings. Three-and-a-half game lead over Baltimore. Baltimore will be picking second. Texas Rangers will be drafting third. They're four-and-a-half back from that. Pittsburgh drafting fourth. They're five-and-a-half. So you have those four teams, Arizona, Baltimore, Texas, Pittsburgh. I don't think the Cubs are going to crack that. That would be some epically bad baseball down the stretch if that were the case. Miami is five, Kansas City six, Washington Nationals seventh, Minnesota Twins picking eighth, the Rockies ninth, and the Cubs tenth. Now, the difference between the Cubs at 10 and Miami Marlins at five is only the difference of three games. Miami's 12 and a half back, Cubs are 15 and a half back for dead last. 
Now, that's doable. We're basically tied with Colorado. And then, you know, we want to, we lose a few more in a row here. We are jumping some spots. Isn't this embarrassingly sad that this is what it's come to right now? This is what's come to. And um, I, I wonder how other people feel about this. Because my thing is this, if we just get as low as possible, this could help make it a way quicker turnaround. I still am of the belief that the Cubs can compete for the NL Central in 2022. Now, Milwaukee having essentially three aces at the top of the rotation hurts that a little bit, but their offense is not scary. I don't care what they put up against us. That's been because we're bad. Their bullpen besides Hader, I mean, Williams came back to life. They're very catchable, very catchable to me. And even so, there's no reason we shouldn't be competing for a wild card spot and all that. Just this notion that you have to tank is just so upsetting to me as a fan, given that we are, if our farm system was ranked 25th right now, fine, I would accept it. I would say we are a couple years away at the earliest in 2022, we need to be looking to be bad. In 2023, we probably, maybe I would say 2024 realistic to start to see something. But our farm system isn't that. Our farm system is ranked eighth by fan graphs and it'll probably be top five going into next year. Baseball America probably has us around the 10th and, you know, a few of the other MLB.com. I don't know how they do their rankings. I just trust fan graphs the best. I think they're a little bit more accurate than some of these other ones. Um, as I said before, I really wish some of them would be like, hey, you know, we had that guy ranked third. Yeah, I don't. He coaches high school baseball now. We were way off on that one. Only a few years ago, he was ranked third. Like, they never admit their mistakes. So some of them frustrate me. So you have to really look further than just rankings. But everyone I know that I trust their expert opinion on farm systems has the Cubs as being one of the top in baseball. This is not like 2012. Did I just say 2012? This is not like 2012. In 2012, the first season of Theo and Jed, they were coming off. They had they had some dead weight money wise, who weren't even like guys you'd flip. They, I mean, pitching wise, they had people to flip. You know, Matt Garza, then Dempster the following year, and then they made those one year signings of Feldman and and Paul Mahalam and Jason Hamill, in which they were able to flip them. They re-signed Hamill. And but on the hitting side, Marlon Bird, a, a old bad Alfonso Soriano, there just wasn't anything there. You know, so this time around, you have a ton of payroll. They had a lot of dead payroll. So you have a ton of payroll and a very good farm system. Again, 2012, not a lot of payroll and really, really bad farm system. I mean, bad, bad was the Cubs farm system then. And then by 2016, going into 2015, 2016, the Cubs had like the top, one of the top ranked farm systems. I think they were like a consensus top three. And then they spent the money smartly initially, Lester Zobrist, bad with Hayward, sure. And then in the second half of the run, the post-World Series run, yeah, there was a couple, there were some mistakes. I'm not saying, you know, I'm a huge Theo guy. Everyone who listens to this podcast, no, I do not handle Theo slander. But there's going to be, every GM, every president of baseball operations is going to have a free agent signing that's a dud or two. I think a lot of his looked worse because the guys that were brought in, like you, Darvish, were bad initially. They had a bad first year. Kimbrell had a bad first year. Really, though, if 2019, or I'm sorry, if 2020 was a full season, Kimbrell would have had elite numbers by the end of the year. But it was a 60-game season, 
in his first few outings, he was really bad. But then his last, I think it, like 15 appearances, his first three were terrible. His last 12 were elite. And then he's obviously been one of the best closers in baseball this year, being used as a setup man with the White Sox for what reason, I'm not really sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, because Liam Hendricks is great, but he's blown six saves, which is four more than Kimbrell. I don't care about that team. Anyhow, just a curious thing I thought of in my head. That's the thing. You know, where where do we go? I, that's why tanking the rest of this year makes it where I feel like I don't. I can't imagine Jed Hoyer wants to have two or three bad seasons again. The Cubs' previous rebuild, to remind you, 2012, 2013, 2014 were the three rebuilding years. They were horrible. Because of, of all the things I mentioned with $150 million to spend in payroll, because, again, they have like so little committed in money toward this offseason. The only guaranteed contracts are Hayward, Hendricks, and Bodie. That's like $40-something million there. And then you got arbitration guys in – when Wilson Contreras get a nice little raise and then a few other players here or there. But again, even with all that, if you're you're estimating on the high end of their arbitration raises, you're looking at a payroll of 80 million. If they go back to the 210 million they were at in 2020, now, now we're talking about $130 million you could spend in one offseason. That is insane. That is, and I even if they went up to even if they had 70 million, that's enough for two top 10 free agents. And then you could take a lot of money and fill in with some people that you like their upside with, you know, you make, you can make those smaller deals. I'm, I'm just saying that they were not nearly as far away as some fans who are down in the dumps want to believe, or some fans who just probably like, re- I don't know what it is. I don't know. Some of them are just like, it's exciting to see the minor leaguers come up. I don't disagree, but you could compete at the same time. I think like we've gotten brainwashed there are plenty of teams who develop young talent coming through the ranks. The Red Sox for uh, Theo's first run with them from 2002 to 2011 did that. In that run, I think under he had nine seasons he was in charge, nine or ten seasons. I think they missed the playoffs once, and still drafted guys like Jacoby Ellsbury, John Lester, Clay Buckholtz, you know, Justin Pedroia. They still drafted Mookie Betts in 2011. They drafted him. That was Theo's last draft with the Red Sox was Mookie Betts in the fifth round. First round was Jackie Bradley Jr. Our second round was Jackie Bradley Jr. First round was their current closer. The Red Sox current closer, Matt Barnes, I believe is his name, was drafted by Theo in 2011. So every now and then when I hear people be like, oh, Theo left Boston in shambles. They won the World Series two years later in 2013 with a roster of mostly players he acquired. And in 2018, when they won the World Series, it was his core. Xander Bogarts was an international signing by Theo Epstein. Mookie Betts was a draftee. Jackie Bradley Jr. was a draftee. And the closer was a draftee. I don't understand. Like, There are just some people who always hated Theo because they don't like the person who's the smartest in the room. And it's easier to just dismiss them any chance they get. I really do believe that. And that and that's a sad, sad person to be, if you ask me. Bet online, everyone. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't send the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to the website or bust out that cell phone and sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is a sweet deal. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Hot damn. I love it. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. 
Wild Alaskan Company has got what they're cooking, no pun intended, is unbelievable. They've got salmon that will blow your mind, whitefish, all of the best seafood caught from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest you could ever want. We all know we should be eating healthier, right? We know eating more fish gets our omega-3s and the best kind of protein. But the seafood counter can be a little intimidating. Which fish tastes the best? What type? All of this kind of stuff, right? You don't, you're going to feel like a fool. So check out Wild Alaskan Company and let them take the guesswork out of the buying wild-caught seafood equation for you. Okay, Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. And here's what you want to do. Check out this deal, right? You get 15% off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's right. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for 15 bucks off your first box. Wild Alaskan seafood is how nature is intended to be. Always wild, never framed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. So again, wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for 15 bucks off your first box. All right, baseball fans and movie fans. On the last podcast, I gave you my number five and number four ranked baseball movies of all time. It is now time for the top three. But first, two honorable mentions that really, depending on my mood, could easily be in my top five. It really depends on how I'm feeling. First honorable mention, Moneyball. I read the book by Michael Lewis, who's a great author. He's written a few other great books. Liar's Poker is a really good one. He also wrote The Big Short, which turned into be a fantastic movie that should have won Best Picture the year it came out. And uh, it, the book is phenomenal. So I definitely recommend the book. But the movie was incredibly well done. The screenplay was by Aaron Sorkin, who uh, created The West Wing, created Sports Night TV show, created The Newsroom, also wrote uh, An American President, A Few Good Men. He's written some really great movies. Uh, some people don't like him. I don't know why. I've always kind of liked his stuff. What else? Uh, Social Network, he did the screenplay for. So he's, he's getting some big ones, some really big hits out there. And I remember when I heard Moneyball is going to be turned into a movie, thinking how, I because I, I'd read the book, loved the book, but I remember being like, I don't really see it as a movie though, you know? But wow, was I wrong. They did a wonderful job opening with the depression that was losing to the New York Yankees being an Oakland A. They show Billy Bean and his superstitions of being wanting to listen on the radio. He couldn't even watch the games. He was so in his own head about it. You know, he just was like, I don't watch the games. That was his big thing. He said to Jonah Hill, I'm like, I, I never watch. It's very superstitious. And they showed it was Oakland A's versus New York Yankees, 2001 playoffs. And then it showed underneath the New York Yankees, their payroll, underneath the Oakland A's, their payroll. So just right there, bam, right out the gate, they tell you this is about how baseball is an unfair game. And one of the great lines is when Billy Bean says, there are rich teams, there are poor teams, then there's 50 feet of crap, then there's us. Just telling them how, like, and he went in there thinking, we cannot continue with business as usual. If we try to compete with the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. And and that's when he they started going into this, you know, he was already a fan of it. He already knew who Bill James was and all that. He comes across Jonah Hill, which that character is Peter Brand, but really in real life, it's Paul DePodesta, who's now with the Cleveland Browns, which everyone thought, what's this baseball guy doing with the Cleveland Browns? And the Browns are turning it around. So, you know, sometimes these smart guys, you just got to put them in a room and give them some time and be patient with them. And also forgive them for mistakes because you know they're not going to make them too often and they'll come back from it anyhow. 
So yes, Moneyball did a great job with that. I love the father-daughter relationship there. I love how they showed Billy Bean choosing how he important it was for him to win in Oakland and how in life you can't make choices just about money because he had made a choice about money earlier in his life. They, they showed Billy Bean as a baseball player. A lot of people might not know this, but Billy Bean was a highly touted baseball player. He was a first-rounder. He had a, a college scholarship at Stanford that he skipped to take the money from the Mets instead. So later, I won't ruin too much of the movie, he gets made a big offer to go somewhere else. He decided to stay with Oakland, and then he, he thinks about his daughter. And it was, just, it, was, it was a lot to love about that movie. Great acting, great script. The, the musical score was fantastic, I believe. Trent Reznor did the music for it. Maybe I'm way off on that. No, I think Trent Reznor did it for the social network. And I'm thinking because it was an Aaron Sorkin script. That's where my brain's off there. Anyhow, highly recommend Moneyball. Now that I talk about Moneyball, I'm wishing I would have kept it in my top five where it belongs. Another honorable mention, Fever Pitch. With Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, probably the last time Jimmy Fallon was likable. <laughs> nah, Jimmy Fallon's all right. Um, but in that movie in particular, he was great. And so was she. They had great chemistry. There was a lot to like about that movie. I was an obsessive fan like that. Now, I had friends who saw Fever Pitch in the theater and immediately said to me, Jimmy Fallon's character in that movie, that's you. And I, I didn't even know about the movie. Really. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I saw like a, a preview for it, a commercial for it or whatever. Like, you got to go see it. It's it's so you, all this stuff. I go to see my wife, and right away she's like, yeah, that was you. Especially the one scene where Drew Barrymore says to him, like, oh, I know we can't go out Friday night because – you know, Schilling's pitching. And then he Christ goes like Schilling's on Thursday, Martinez on Friday. And then she's like, whatever. I, I was that guy. I was definitely that guy. And that movie was about, came out in like Oh five. And it talks about the Oh four Red Sox winning and the Cubs and Oh three were so close. And so I was very like, I was even, I, I'm still that guy, but then I was probably even more so obnoxiously to the point that guy. And I just love the the part when they played the song "It's Not Over," and you know Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon get together, and then it's like you know what the rest happens, and they win. And and I actually give Joe Buck credit. I'm not a Joe Buck fan per se, but he was good in the big moment of capturing the the final out of the Red Sox 04 World Series when they swept the Cardinals, which I love that. And he's like, Boston, you've longed to hear it. And that was a really. And then they played that Dropkick Murphy song at the end when they're showing the Boston Parade. And you know, it just Seeing that fan base at that time crying tears of joy and, and seeing something they thought they would never see and and all the people talking about the, all the loved ones who, who died before it happened. And then when, when it hit for the Cubs in 2016, it you know I always looked at Fever Pitch thinking one day that'll be us. One day that'll be me and my Cub fan friends. And, and, it, and it did happen. Cubs, Cubs fans, we won the World Series. 2016, in the, by the way, the greatest World Series of all time. Game seven was the greatest game seven of any sport of all time. Fun fact, the Cleveland Cavs won the NBA Finals in June of that year. Game seven of the World Series had 33% more viewers than game seven of the NBA Finals. That's right. That's how big that game seven was, that it blew the NBA out of the water. Know that. All right, now my top three baseball movies of all time. Number three, I go with Bull Durham. Bull Durham is my number three movie of all time. Again, these switch out every now and then. Uh, there's a lot of great comedy in it. You know, the whole scene where the, the team's off to a bad start and everyone gets in the showers and the manager throws bats at them. And he's like, you lollygagging and out of the dugout. You lollygag to first base. You lolly. It's like, what does that make you? And then the assistant coach is lollygaggers. Like, there's just a lot of 
fun scenes like that. Anyone who's ever played baseball and, and known all the dumb conversations you have in the dugout, hilarious. When they go out to the pitcher's mound and they're talking about anything but baseball, pitching coach is like, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, we're trying to figure out what wedding gift to give. He wants to sacrifice a chicken. It's like, we're dealing with a lot of stuff right now. He's like, all right, well, wedding gifts, you are the registered. Like he tries to handle the problems. Amazing. They're on a losing streak. They, they turn on the sprinklers to create a rain delay. Susan Sarandon at her, in her prime. Lot to love about Bull Durham. So highly recommend Bull Durham. That's my number three movie. Number two, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is my second favorite baseball movie of all time. It didn't used to be. For a long time, I was like, this is a little overrated. You know, I, I maybe had it at the back end of my top 10 for a long time back before I became a dad. It changes when you become a father. It's really, if you've not seen Field of Dreams, turn this podcast off right now. I'm going to ruin a big part of it for you. At the end, because a big part of it was Kevin Costner's relationship with his dad. And he didn't realize the whole, if you build it, he will come, that he was his father. You know, at first, if, if you build it, they will come. It's the, you know, the Black Sox who felt wronged. I have a friend who's uh, a big labor guy. He was like, you know, old man Comiskey was ripping off his players and he was cheap. And them throwing the World Series was actually a good thing because it was sticking to their owner. Yeah, look, rob him next time. Do that. Because what you did was you almost ruined the game of baseball, Chicago Black Sox. The league almost went under. Fans weren't going to games anymore. They didn't trust the product they were seeing. You broke children's hearts by working with the mafia, who then probably ripped you off. So no, they are not heroes by any stretch of the imagination. Do I feel bad for Shoeless Joe Jackson, who played great in the World Series, getting lumped in with them? A little bit, but even he admitted, when you ride without laws, you die without laws. And he made a mistake. Say it ain't so, Joe. He looked at the kid and said, it's so, and put his head down, because he knows he messed up. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But I, I agree with the lifetime ban. You cannot do anything that questions the integrity of your sport. That's why even though Pete Rose, the all-time hits leader, he was throwing games and betting on games that he was the manager of and playing in. Now, if you're betting on games that you're not playing in, all that fine, but there is evidence, and he even admitted he was doing it. That right there, you threaten the integrity of the game, you're out. Because without the integrity, it's nothing. Like I, If I thought every baseball game was fixed, I wouldn't watch it. I really stopped watching a lot of NBA games because it became clear to me something was going on. And that one ref came out. I, it's really how I felt. So I, so the Black Sox are not heroes is my point. Old man Comiskey sucks. And it's if there's anything, the fact that they made him look bad in it, that's great. But overall, you hurt the sport. You hurt your fans. You hurt people who bought tickets, which then helped paid your salary. So you're trying to hurt your owner, but really you hurt so many more people in the process. So I don't think that they're good people for that. The movie, though, James Earl Jones' character is great. His speech he gives is great. There's just a lot about it. It talks about life. You know, uh, Moonlight Graham, a guy who never got the official at bat, but became a doctor, but he always wondered. You know, he got the taste of it and then ends up saving Kevin Costner's daughter. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know what? Just because you didn't get what your original dream was didn't mean your life didn't turn out bad. You always want to be a baseball player, but you were meant for more. You were meant to help people. You were meant to be a doctor. And then it's okay. It, it kind of tells people that like, hey, I know this was your first dream. And just because it didn't work out does not mean you were a failure. You you succeeded. If anything, you made it to the show. You tried. You, you put in the effort. But now you've got another calling. 
great thing right there. Again, James Earl Jones' speech was just uh, gives you goosebumps. And that line at the end, hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Because he always felt bad that the relationship just didn't work out the way it did. And uh, and when, he's, when the dad goes, I like that very much. Like, ah, just tears. So many of the tears. All right, I'm going a little long again. So you're the, my favorite baseball movie of all time is without a doubt Major League because it was the first baseball movie I remember watching and watching a lot of. And looking back, I was probably too young to be watching <laughs> because there are some scenes in there where I'm like, oh, as a seven-year-old, I should not have been repeating these. When Tom Berenger goes to visit Corbin Bernstein, uh, Roger Dorn, the character's name, his character name was Jake. Jake, uh, what was the last name? Jake Taylor. And says to him, if you ever tank a play like that, I'll rip your blank off and shove it down your blank and throat. Great line. As a kid, I thought that was really cool. And Berenger really did deliver those curse words well. There's just a lot to like about it. the whole idea. Of we're going to win in spite of ownership. We're going to do all this stuff and we're going to show them. And then Willie Mays Hayes and, and Wild Thing Rick Vaughn and the music. And then like, there's just, it was cool. It was a cool movie about a, a downtrodden franchise, the Cleveland now Guardians. And yeah, this uh, Major League will always hold that number one spot for me. Because it's just so repeatable. You know, Feel the Dreams, I could watch that. And then, like, you know, I don't want to watch it again for a few months because it, it takes an emotional toll on you. Major League, I'll watch it. And then if it's on TV, say I'll put it in to watch it. But then two days later, I'm flipping around and it's on TBS or something. I'm going to continue to watch it. I could. It's got me. Favorite movies have to be movies you watch over and over again. I really feel like it's got to have that watchability factor. All right, everybody. Uh, feel free to tweet at me and tell me what I got wrong and what movies I forgot. And we can have a nice little conversation over on Twitter. Follow that at Lockdown Cubs or at Joe Kilgallen. Either or works for me. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Cubs. You guys are the best. As always, go Cubs. Lockdown bets, everybody. Betting on the NBA, MLB, or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.